God didn't let Zechariah out of his punishment until he knew in his heart that the last word on his life was not going to be death, it was going to be life. And God did not let Zechariah out of his punishment until he wrote down his son's name and that son's name reflected everything that Zechariah had learned. Do you know what John's name means? It means the Lord is grace. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintigard.com. I got two things for you today. The first is this, that today, the beginning of Advent, we are beginning a sermon series called A Thrill of Hope. We're going to be walking through the first chapter of the book of Luke, and we're going to be looking at certain biblical characters in the story of Jesus coming to earth, and we're going to be looking at the moment where they found out that their Savior was coming, the thrill of hope that leapt up inside them, sometimes almost literally. Uh, the second thing that we're going to do today is we're going to start a new tradition here at Hope. Um, these are the words and the works of, of how Jesus came down to earth to be among us. And so I'm actually going to come down and read this text among you from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. 
Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after his wife, Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and has taken away my disgrace from among the people. This is the gospel of our Lord. I started out my week laughing about this. (laughs) I couldn't really help myself because the first time that I read through this text all the way to the end, the only thought, and I'm a little bit ashamed about this, the only thought that popped into my head was this. Finally, I have found somebody in the world who is worse than me at charades. Finally. Right? Zechariah was out there making signs. No one could understand what he was trying to say. He had been in the temple for a long time in the most holy place. Luke gives us the insight that the people were outside getting antsy, wondering where he's at. They just wanted him to come outside and bless them so that they could go home for the holidays. But when he came out, all he could do was make signs. And the people realized that he was making signs about something, That he had seen something, but they couldn't figure it out. And all I could think was, man, Zechariah is terrible at charades. (laughs) And that's why I started my week out laughing. But as I went through the week, I realized more and more how much I should not have been laughing. Because I kept reading. And as I kept reading, I noticed a detail that I had never noticed before. You know, normally in this account, we notice big time how Zechariah was not able to speak. But if you read a little bit farther, you'll see that when Zechariah's son was born, the people had to communicate with him through sign language. We see that that God had not just silenced Zechariah's mouth, he had silenced Zechariah's ears, he had silenced Zechariah's whole world. And I'm convinced that out of all of the miracles in this text, this is the most significant miracle for us today. And that is saying something, right? Because this is is the text that is absolutely filled with miracles. I mean, first of all, you get the appearance of Gabriel. The last time that one of God's messengers or one of his prophets had spoken was 400 years ago with the prophet Malachi. And the last thing that Malachi had written down was that the man who is going to be the next Elijah, who is going to precede the Savior, he's coming soon. And then there were 400 years of radio silence from God, longer than America has been a country of radio silence from God. And then boom, Gabriel shows up. And he says, Elijah is now here, and the Lord of history is coming next. It was a miracle. 
And we haven't even talked about the miraculous conception of, of Elizabeth yet, right? Luke tells us that she was not able to bear a child, and, and even if she was, she was well along in years, and yet God gave her a child in her womb. And he did more than just put, put life into her womb. He put life into her heart, too. Luke gives us some insight into what was going on for her. He tells us that, that when Elizabeth found out that she was having a baby, she didn't tell anybody. And it's because she didn't have anybody to tell. And that's because she had been ostracized from her community because of her barrenness. It was weighing on her. It had cost her dearly throughout her life. You can see that emotional pain, that emotional healing coming through in her prayer at the end of this text when she says, The Lord has taken away my disgrace from among the people. There's so much emotional pain in her that God spoke life into. That's a miracle. And what about Zechariah, right? He was a Levite, Luke tells us, which means that he got to serve as a priest. And all of the other priests that were his age were retired. They were spending time with their families, but not Zechariah. He kept on going with the young guns. And while he was serving, he was chosen by lot. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that Zechariah got to be the priest that goes into the most holy place on behalf of the people. Zechariah wasn't going to miss this chance to go and be in God's presence to pray the prayer that had been on his heart for decades. Lord, I am barren. What are you going to do about it? And then Gabriel shows up. And the first thing that he says is, Do not fear, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. It was a miracle. And yet, out of all of those miracles in this text, I'm still convinced that the greatest miracle, the most relevant and powerful miracle for us this morning is the silencing of Zechariah. You know why I think that is? I, I think that's because this is where we can relate to him the most closely. This is where we understand Zechariah the best. With our questions. With his question as he stood before a glowing angel and asked, How can I be sure of this? Right? This is the first account in the entire book of Luke. And this is the first time that the gospel has been communicated to anyone. And how is it received? Not with faith, not with joy, but with doubt. And with questions and with cynicism. How can I be sure of this? And I don't want you to miss that fact this morning. I don't want you to miss the fact that this text was written... For doubters. Luke doesn't want you to miss that text either. That's why he wrote it down. Because you see, we get questions like that. We understand questions like that because we do. We do feel like we have reasons to be uncertain about the results of our prayers. We pray our prayers over and over again and we never see the change that we hope we're going to see. How can I be sure that God even notices little old me down here? 
we can understand Zechariah. We can understand how he's feeling, how he's feeling like his hope for prayers ever being answered is gone. He had prayed for years for a child, and God never gave him one. And we can understand how that feels. How the hope slowly disappears, how the pain slowly grows numb, and that part of our heart just kind of dies away. How can I be sure that my prayers are being answered? You know, I was thinking about that this week, preparing for the sermon. I was thinking about how many prayers are there like that in this room this morning, prayers like Zechariah and Elizabeth's prayer that that seem like they're never going to be answered. Prayers that you've prayed day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Prayers for the guilt to go away. Prayers for the depression to lift. Prayers for the anxiety to stop. Prayers for that relationship to heal. And every single prayer that you pray seems like more and more evidence, more and more proof that God is not hearing. God has not remembered you. That God does not answer prayers. And our hearts ask along with Zechariah, how can I be sure Here's the response. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I know what he's spoken about you, Zechariah, and I have good news for you. And then thump. The Bose noise-canceling headphones go right over Zechariah's ears for nine whole months. (laughs) And man, there's a lot that we could talk about there, right? We could talk about how that must have been torture for Zechariah to not be able to hear and not be able to speak to his friends about the joy that he was having a baby boy. And man, we could get really deep into ourselves, and we will do that a little bit this morning. We could get really deep into ourselves about what it would look like for us to get quiet like Zechariah had to. Because this is what modern life is, right? Modern life is about noise. And it's about distraction. We always got something scrolling. We always got something streaming. We always got music going on. We always got the radio on or the news on. We are all about noise and distraction. Why do you think that is? It's because we have a spiritual need. And we don't want to deal with it because it's really hard and really painful. And we've gotten really adept at drowning out that spiritual need. We know that when we turn up the external volume, we have to deal less and less with what's going on on the inside. And so we turn up the volume every day. And so we see that what God was doing in Zechariah's life is he was turning the volume all the way down and he was switching it all to mute. He was forcing Zechariah to get quiet. To truly get quiet in his heart. 
I was interested in this, and so I actually went and I read a few blogs uh, written by people who are mute, who wish to communicate to the world what it's like. And there are some people that are really passionate about this, and a lot of the message that they communicate is, is similar. And the message is basically this, that you should not mistake a quiet person for a quiet mind. You should never do that. And in fact, one of the most famous mute people of the last decade or so is named Stephen Hawking. He passed away recently. Uh, He had something to say about this too. He said, the quietest people have the loudest minds. It means that when you can't talk, your brain buzzes more loudly because you've got to sit and you've got to deal with what's going on on the inside. So yes, it's true that God was disciplining Zechariah when he silenced him and when he took away his hearing. But it's also true that God could have done something much more drastic. If you catch my drift, he could have done something much more drastic to silence Zechariah. And so why did he do what he did? It's because he wanted Zechariah to get quiet in his heart with the promises of God. He did that with Elizabeth, right? He gave life to her heart. She got to feel the baby kicking inside of her. And with Zechariah, right? God took away his hearing. God took away his voice. He got, but what did he have left? He had his sight. And so what Zechariah did, what God forced Zechariah to do for nine months is he forced Zechariah to watch his wife's belly grow and watch God's promise come true. God didn't let Zechariah out of his punishment until he knew in his heart that the last word on his life was not going to be death, it was going to be life. And God did not let Zechariah out of his punishment until he wrote down his son's name, and that son's name reflected everything that Zechariah had learned. Do you know what John's name means? It means the Lord is grace. Zechariah had gotten quiet with God's promises. And he had seen with his own eyes in the quiet of his heart that the Lord is grace. And while we're talking about names here for a second, I want to talk about Zechariah and Elizabeth's name. Do you know what Zechariah's name means? It means the Lord remembers. The Lord does not forget his people's prayers. He remembers. And what, is that, Sarah, what does Elizabeth's name mean? It means the Lord keeps promises. The Lord never lets one of his promises fall flat. He keeps them all. And sometimes we got to get quiet with those promises. Because when we get pro- quiet with God's promises, hope grows in us. So today, I don't know what might be dead in your heart. 
Maybe you don't know either. Maybe it's something that has been dead in your heart for so long that it's just become part of who you are and you don't even think about it anymore. I don't know. Or maybe it's so fresh in your heart that it hurts you and it burns you every single day. I don't know. I don't know what's dead in your heart. But I do know this. That this word of God was written for you and for me. Written for all of us who have parts of our hearts that are hurting, that have gone numb, that have gone dead. This text is for you. So that Christ can walk into your life and assure you that your prayers have been heard. And that through him your prayers will be answered perfectly. I want you to know that this season of Advent isn't just about watching one young woman's womb growing with life. It's a season where Christ fills all of our lives with hope. How does that happen? We get quiet with His promises. And sometimes it takes a long time for Zechariah. It took nine long months. But this is what it looks like when it happens. It looks like God's promises being locked into our lives. And it looks like a life of heavenly peace as long as we are on this world. Today marks the season, the beginning of the season of Advent. It's a season where we get our hearts ready for the coming of Jesus. And that's what God was helping Zechariah to do. He was getting his heart ready for the coming of Jesus. Now, I'm no Gabriel But I do know what God says to you. Do not fear. Your prayers have been heard. Get quiet with those promises. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the child. Come to make us all sing. But we cannot sing, we cannot hope until all of the deadness in our heart is gone. Push the gospel in every part of our heart and give us hope in what you are doing through Jesus. Help us see by faith the new life you have for all of us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.